1: And isn't it ironic? Think?
0: Hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back for another episode this is for people that are interested in skincare even if you think you know everything about skincare you will learn a lot from this episode and if you are a skincare newbie i think this episode will be really impactful for you because it really just lays out what are the fundamental foundational things you need to do to develop a good skincare routine so my guest today is dr ranella hirsch she's a very accomplished dermatologist based in Boston, and I just love her no-nonsense approach to skincare. She's a big myth buster, and she's also spent a lot of time on social media as she's been building up her own presence, but it's something that she didn't do before. So I think as she's been online. She's seen the way that skincare gets misconstrued and broken down into these like very specific trends. So we talk about a little of that. She has what she calls Renella isms These are her analogies that illustrate skincare and how ingredients work. And I love them and I find them to be so educational. The other thing I like about this episode a lot is that as someone who is learning, as someone who is not, I'm not a beauty editor. I am not, I'm certainly don't have any degree or certification in skincare. I am just a skincare enthusiast and someone who follows the space closely. And I think what's really important is the way that I talk about skincare today will be different from the way that I talked about skincare two years ago, or even six months ago. And that's because the more that you learn, the more you adapt. And as I've been having so many conversations lately, and it's interesting, it's usually the dermatologists that are the ones that are not into this whole concept of clean beauty. I really feel like, okay, is it a helpful term at all? And what does it really mean? I like using the term clean beauty when you define what clean beauty is. So if you're saying this is clean beauty at Sephora or clean beauty at Ulta Beauty, and this is how that company is defining clean beauty, then I think that's really great. And the thing that I've been digesting since we've had this conversation is... There's this element of classism and elitism that is built into clean beauty that I think we need to unpack more as a beauty community and skincare community. And then there's that element of fear, which we've talked about before, right? If you tell someone that these are toxic products and they're going to harm you and harm your children, that is fear-based marketing. And I also want to be very clear that I'm not saying that you shouldn't be conscious. I am the biggest advocate for reading the ingredients in skincare. But I think you also have to understand what the effects, whether they're positive or negative, are to your overall well-being. I am very clear about the fact that I am always going to be the girl that makes the at-home clay mask, and I'm love whipping up my own shea butter, and I will always make my own body oil and put jojoba oil on my skin. Like I love all of that. And I love the brands that lean into that. I love the brands that use lots of oils. And that's me. That's my personal thing. I think it probably will always be my thing. But it's funny, you'll hear in the episode when I ask Dr. Ranella, like, what would you call, you know, when you like this type of skincare? Her answer is very funny. She's just very blunt, very straightforward, very funny. I love her sense of humor. We also touch on hydroquinone for hyperpigmentation as a really effective prescription drug you can use for hyperpigmentation. A lot of you reach out to me, and ask me about hyperpigmentation. I like topicals. That's like an over-the-counter thing that you can order from Sephora. Alameda was on the podcast. I think topicals is great, but hydroquinone does really work. And the reason why I'm mentioning Our hydroquinone discussion here in the intro is because we actually didn't get into something that I want to address, which is ochronosis, which can happen if you use hydroquinone for too long. So, let's say you get a 4% hydroquinone, a dermatologist has to prescribe it to you. They have to pick the percentage, but they will also tell you how long to use it. So, for example, a dermatologist will probably say, don't use this for more than two or three months on the affected area, because if you use it continually for too long, it can actually darken an acne scar you have. Like If if you're using it to lighten the scar, it can actually completely backfire and it can darken it. So that's why it's just very important if you are going to go the hydroquinone route to make sure that you are working with a dermatologist and you're super diligent about sunscreen. You'll hear more about that in the conversation. So enjoy this episode, take some notes. You may even like find yourself running this back a few times. And it was just an education for me because... Skincare is a lot simpler than we make it out to be. And Dr. Hirsch and even my own dermatologist, Dr. Elena Jones, they're always the first to say, if you like doing all this stuff, your skin looks great, continue. But you don't have to do it, which I think also just speaks to the fact that skincare is really a part of self-care, right? There's keeping your skin clear and healthy, right? A cleanser and a moisturizer. And you can do that as like a fragrance-free, like you can just go straight up no frills skincare and have great skin. We also address fragrance, which is a very controversial topic. More on that in the episode. But you can also approach skincare as experiential, which is what I love to do. So there's a lot here. It was a long conversation, but I really wanted to make sure we got into everything. I could have honestly talked to her for half an hour more. I also want to very quickly address, I'm recording this on Friday, September 24th, and I wanted to share with all of you, I've been named one of Alta Beauty's 100 Muses. These are Black voices in the beauty world. Everyone from makeup artists to culture creators, I was named in the culture creator category. People that are really making a difference. There are so many people on this list that I really deeply admire. And I do want to shout out Ulta Beauty for this initiative. Muse stands for Magnify, Uplift, Support, and Empower. And they wanted to specifically focus on Black voices in the beauty space. All of the Muses, all 100 of us received $10,000, which is just incredible. And I will definitely use towards this show. Hopefully, I will do a live event this year if I can pull it together and keep everyone safe. I just love that companies are recognizing the Black contributions to the beauty world and then also supporting them financially. I think that's wonderful. And so many Naked Beauty guests joined me on the list. There was Raisa Flowers, the makeup artist who I love, hairstylists like Lacey Redway and Vernon Francois. Nana from Every Stylish Girl, also a podcast guest, Kelly Brown, another podcast guest, Naomi Elize, She's a market editor at Vogue, also a podcast guest. Trinity, the co-founder and CEO of Gold, also a Naked Beauty Girl. So I'm not going to read every single person that was nominated. There are a hundred of them. And I think they're really all phenomenal women. But I was proud to be on this list. And I was also just proud to see so many people in the Naked community being recognized. So that was very cool. And I wanted to share that with you all because I would not be recognized for my work on this podcast at all whatsoever if it weren't for all of your support. So you all listening and supporting and sharing the show helps me tremendously. As I always say, I wanted to create the podcast that I couldn't find. I couldn't find beauty from a Black woman's perspective. I couldn't find conversations about beauty. So I'm just very proud to create the show for you all every week. And it's my joy to record and get this out to you every single Monday. So Without further ado, let's dive into this discussion with Dr. Ranella Hirsch. Get your notepads ready and be prepared to pause and rewind as she breaks things down. There's a whole lot of education coming your way. Let's get into it. so, when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, I am joined with Dr. Renella Hirsch. Welcome to Naked Beauty.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I'm so excited to speak with you because you are a dermatologist, of course, but you're also an educator. I feel like you are also someone that helps to break down skin care, helps to break down cosmetic surgery, how we should be thinking about ingredients. And, you know, everyone wants the best skin of their life. That's like everyone's goal to have incredible skin and you hear it all day. So I'm excited to kind of get into this Skincare discussion with you.
1: Sam, thank you.
0: So, skincare lots of people have opinions about skincare, but not everyone went to school for it. So, I actually want to hear a little bit about kind of how you grew up, what your relationship was like to skincare growing up, and what made you think, okay, I want to be a dermatologist.
1: Oh boy, back in the early days, dermatology came to me a little bit later. I originally had wanted to go into space. I'm a space junkie and always had this master plan of becoming an astronaut. Very long story short, got derailed sort of on the track there. Wound up going to medical school and having that love of science and physics all along, I discovered relatively early on laser technology and was really attracted to the specialties where that was an option. And so that kind of was like ophthalmology or dermatology. And then the thing I really loved about dermatology was you kind of got to see everybody and you got to see people very longitudinally. So you could see a mom and a kid and the grandma. You could see people of every you know, race, creed, everything. You had this opportunity to really not be limited. I didn't want to just see women or just see children or just see. So I just felt like it was the breath of all of those things. So it was probably the tech geekiness that led me in that direction.
0: Okay, skincare. You see so many people All the time. And I'm sure everyone at our core, all of us have the same desire. We all want healthy, clear skin. Some of us want to go beyond healthy and clear to glowing and ageless and and even poreless if you're misinformed, right? So everyone is on the quest for like great skin. And it's so interesting because I think I've been into skincare for so long that I forget that a lot of people don't have the basics. So if we dial it all the way back, what are the basics of a really good skincare routine?
1: It's actually far more simple than I think most people have consciously in their mind. Very straightforward. It's about morning protecting, nighttime repairing. So in the simplest sense, it's really just a few things. A cleanser that you're going to use both in the morning and at night. In the morning after you cleanse, you want to use a moisturizer or if you can get away with it and you're happy with it, moisturizer-sunscreen combo. Sunscreen being the main thing of your morning activity, flip that to nighttime, cleanse again, and then you're going to be putting on some sort of active. And that varies depending on what your primary concerns are. And that could be a serum, that could be a retinol, that could be a whole lot of different things. And that really is the building block from which everything else is based. It's really a lot, lot simpler. It is made far more complicated.
0: Right, because you know marketing and people want to sell products. Sure. But then also on top of that, like me speaking for myself, I love using all of these products. And yes. when I go to my dermatologist, she's like, "You don't need all of this, but if it's making you happy, <laughs>
1: absolutely. absolutely, absolutely."
0: So when we when we're perusing, you know, Sephora, Ulta, when we're looking at the skincare aisles and we see all of these different products, or let's just take a cleanser for example, like what types of ingredients? should we be looking for in skincare and what ingredients should we avoid?
1: So I don't know that there's any specific overriding rule of avoid. That's very independent person, things that work with your skin or don't. I mean, if you have more dry skin, you probably want something more hydrating that's going to help you restore that moisture. If you're someone who's more oily, you probably want to tweak that as well. In terms of the actual product itself, it really comes down to more than anything else preference in terms of just finding things that work for your skin type, which has a lot less to do, believe it or not, with the primary ingredient and a lot more to do with the vehicle that you're choosing. Specifically, someone with oilier skin might like to look for something with a gel that might help to attract and work with that oil, whereas someone with dry skin might like something more moisturizing. But the actual core of the product is surprisingly not as different as people think.
0: That's very interesting. So it's, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, focus so much on ingredients, but you're right, that texture and the delivery is very important. In terms of, you said like if you have dry skin to avoid certain things, like when I see alcohol on things I tend to avoid, is that the correct thing to do?
1: Yeah, alcohol is this really unfortunately bad rap. That it really doesn't deserve. I think what gets ha- what happens is, and especially in, I'm relatively new to the world of social media, and I've sort of learned sort of the language a little bit. And you know, you learn very quickly nuggets are kind of the the currency of language in that environment. And, and you know, things get very very. Simplified. Alcohol actually serves quite a number of purposes. There are alcohols, yes, that can be quite drying, but there are actually alcohols that can serve the exact opposite purpose. And even as a greater overriding phenomenon, the rule of thumb is an ingredient is not a formula mate. If you see one ingredient, almost never is that a reason that just on its face you need to throw away the entire thing. And that's a common misconception that we see a lot of that people are looking at inky lists meaning the kind of, you know, list of things that are in the product and deciding, oh, this has this, it's not for me. It doesn't work that way in the same way that you could use let's say honey in something very savory if you were making a dish or something very sweet and it's the same honey. So it's the same sort of principle. You really have to look at you know, the company it's keeping, that's critical.
0: Wow, my mind is being blown right now because that honey analogy makes perfect sense. So for people that are like, I don't like skincare with fragrance in it or with parabens, you're saying that those ingredients on their own may not be an issue. Yeah, so
1: I'm gonna particularly attach to the two you just mentioned because they're specifically interesting. Yes to what you said for almost any ingredient. I mean, if anyone needs a press agent, it's fragrance because it just is like beaten upon to no end. Exactly.
0: And I'm sorry to to pause you there only because I will... So one, I like a lot of natural oils and a lot of them use fragrances and people will be like, oh, I love that, but there's fragrance in it, like as if it's this horrible thing. And I'm like, and my skin, to be honest, is on the more sensitive side. And I'm fine with a lot of fragrances. And one thing with fragrance will be fine. Another thing with fragrance won't be fine. Something with, that's fragrance-free will ma- break me out. But people hate fragrance.
1: So I'm sorry I interrupted you. Continue. Not at all. You, you tell the perfect story, which is that even someone with sensitive skin like you, it's not an all-over blanket ingredient ruling, like no fragrance. First of all, most importantly, fragrance isn't a monolith. This idea that fragrance is sort of one big thing. Fragrance is thousands and thousands and thousands of different components. So when you say I'm allergic to fragrance, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like saying I'm allergic to, you know, food. It's a category. It's not a, you know, specific. So the rule of thumb with fragrances, and I think part of the blame definitely comes from people in my, my world, because look. When we see people who have irritation or have disorders where the barrier is in trouble or they're having problems with inflammation, not using fragrance, generally speaking, is a good idea as just kind of a starting point. So when you start asking dermatologists, that's probably what you're going to hear, but it doesn't represent everybody. It represents very much a skewed subset where the people that we would encounter in -hmm. progress. Like someone with eczema or... Precisely, precisely. And And that doesn't even mean that someone with eczema couldn't handle certain fragrances. They could, but it's just really depending again on the context. And the other thing too, is I think people really write off how much fragrance is a major, major, major part of the, the pleasure of skincare, the experience of skincare. And the interesting thing is, a lot of it is getting more attention now. There was an article on, I think, yesterday's New York Times about how, like sommeliers with COVID, have been having a horrible time because they rely on their nose, they rely on how things smell. And I think we're seeing people in their day to day lives not able to smell their skincare, not able to smell their food. And people are starting to understand just what a significant part of the Experience that it is that they maybe haven't thought about before. So it's quite an interesting thing. You also mentioned parabens and I, I parabens. That's so parabens, yeah. Parabens are, are really, really horribly demonized and completely not appropriately. Parabens are without question the most well-studied and safest preservatives. And if the question is, why do you want preservatives? Well, the alternative is mold. The alternative is bacteria. The alternative is infection. And when you actually start to read about things that don't have preservatives in them, and you hear about the very, very bad set of eye disease that developed as a process of one product with other things that have happened what was with the other products? products. Do you mind saying? Okay.
0: I'm sure okay. there is, a, is probably a natural, quote unquote, clean brand that was causing these issues.
1: But yes, continue. It is more frequently, and I, I, I pick my battles. But um, parabens are a very, very well-studied and very safe option in terms of preservatives. And one of the terrible things that's happened is that because this demonizing of parabens has happened, people say it without even realizing what they're doing. So the problem is now far less tested things, far less effective things have been substituted with, ironically enough, Far higher allergy rates. The people who are allergic to these other things they're using for preservatives far and away outnumber the very low percentage of people who ever had any issue with parabens. So it's really just this complete fiction that has been constructed and there's a whole enterprise kind of built on it.
0: Okay. First of all, my mind's blown right now. I feel like we need to make the title of this episode like relearn everything you thought you knew about <laughs> skincare and just start over because I am someone and I, I actually try not to use the word clean beauty, but I am someone that likes things that are quote unquote natural. Like one of my favorite serums right now, it's from Ranovat. I don't know if you know that company, but it's like sesame oil. Beautiful and, product. I like their cleanser. Yes. Beautiful products. And beautiful product. There's saffron in it. And it's like, yes. for me, at least I would prefer to use something like that versus like Clarence, nothing nothing against Clarence. Clarence has great products, but like I personally find like I love the like really like nourishing oils that give you that sensory feeling and, and the smells come through. Um so that's why I'm like, oh, I like quote unquote natural ingredients because I personally feel like my skin glows better when I'm using like my oils and stuff. But I do oh, feel like there's this like war between <laughs> the natural beauty stuff and then like more of the kind of clinical, I guess, skincare?
1: You know, I think it really comes back to the original story, right? The original kind of idea behind what is now in this meaningless term of clean was something that I think was actually a good thing, right? It was this idea that there are people who are, you know, living their entire lives about protecting, you know, animal rights and cruelty-free living and people who are vegans and people who within their lives have really made lifestyle choices based on that. And why shouldn't that be a part of skincare choice for them? And I think that's a really reasonable and good thing. Where we sort of left the highway is when it started kind of becoming a marketing, kind of forgive my French, pissing match where I'm purer than you are, and you're purer than I am, and this one said this. And you know there are fundamental problems with the ideas behind them, not the least of which is that the term is not defined. So you have this idea of what clean means, but here's your problem. One company defines clean with these ingredients. This company defines it with five ingredients that don't overlap with this one. This one doesn't. And then the store wants to come in and put their hole, you know, and then what's the what's the implication there? So if you are clean at Sephora, let's, let's, let's attack Sephora. If you're clean at Sephora, what does that mean? That every other aisle is dirty? That everything else they sell is garbage? Of course not. It's it's really just the realization that it is all about marketing and nothing else. And, you know, just because I'm going to beat back on the parabens thing, I think the most offensive thing The thing that I never, ever don't come back to is the fact that the person, one of the original people who really began this clean business was through the demonization of parabens. And this particular person had a very large acquisition of their company for a very remarkably large sum of money and was subsequently quoted as saying, yeah, parabens really aren't, you know, they're really fine in retrospect. And when you think that the entire operation was predicated of putting this fear of God in people, and then just so cavalier, well, you know, they were probably fine all They're fine. Right. Because people- Something about that just gives me indigestion. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And fear is a very powerful motivator. And when you think about instilling fear in people, yes, that's going to get them to purchase in a certain way. It's a shame because I do feel like ultimately the consumers are the ones that are very confused and unsure of what to trust. I used Vaseline the other night, literally on my feet. Like I put on my Instagram story, like I put Vaseline on my feet at night and then I put socks on. It's like a nice little. And people were like, "That causes." You and me cancer. both. <laughs> but someone literally said that causes
1: cancer. That's petrolatum. And and, and I it's said, just that's someone who is. I'm not. Maybe as nice as you, so I'm probably not going to give the benefit of the doubt. But conflating not maybe, maybe accidentally, maybe on purpose, petroleum and petrolatum not the same thing. Right? Petrolatum is regulated in the United States. It certainly is a byproduct of that industry, but it is so pure that the government, the FDA, regulates it as a drug. I mean, it's a drug. Product isn't over the counter, but I mean, so the idea it's actually so, and that's always the funny thing I try to explain to people. The very thing about Vaseline that people like me love the most is just how boring it is. Yeah, it is what we call inert, it's the accountant at the party facing the wall, it does nothing interesting, which is why people like me love it so. So the fact that it gets so much loathing and hate is beyond description for me, and you know, it really also lets call it what it is, you know, there's really a very repulsive element of telling a very large group of people who have been using this as a very f- fine form of skincare for a very long time. Yeah, it's horrible. You should really only use my 20 times higher price version that is only available. There's, there's a lot about it that really is couched in some very not so nice things.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So now I feel like I need a new terminology for the type of skincare that I like. It's I, sometimes I say it's like I don't know, plant powered or. But plants are in lots of things. So for people like me that love like a facial oil that has seed buckthorn oil or hemp oil or pumpkin seed oil, like what what would you classify those types of products as?
1: I'm not sure. I'm going to give you a very romantic answer. Facial oils is a perfectly fine category. I I don't like them texturally, but I don't have like some religious objection to them. There are many people who really love them and that's completely fine. I would just call it skincare. I mean, it's just a perfectly lovely choice within the realm of skincare. I think, to be honest, I'm probably on the other side of wanting to split them up. I think much more would I prefer if people just got that it really isn't that hard. It's really about finding what you like and then tweaking. It's not about reinventing the wheel every 10 weeks or whatever that is for you. You know, we have this constant cycle of like doing too much, stepping back, doing too much, stepping back. And it's nuts.
0: I agree. And I want to go back to something you said earlier around if you have oily skin, maybe you want to gel. If you have drier skin, maybe you want to cream. In terms of different ways of thinking about like textures in your products. How have you kind of helped either your patients or people that you educate through on social media, figure out what are the right products for my skin type?
1: Right. So we have a name for it. So in my office, I have lots of things I say over and over again, and they're called rinella And it. the answer I have for this is the Rinella Raider. And I basically made a little drawing. It's all over my Instagram too. And it basically just speaks to... It's very hard on a podcast to explain it, but it basically just speaks to the opposing way you want to think of skincare. When you identify the active ingredients that work for you, and we can talk more about that, the thing you're really changing up more than anything else is the vehicle. And here's how I explain it to patients. So, like you, I have little people in the house. So, when I go to New York, sometimes, you know, if I'm going to do desk size or media day, you know, I'll fly because I'm wearing big shoes, I don't want to deal with it. Sometimes if I'm giving a talk to colleagues, I'll take the train so I have a few hours to work on a presentation. If I'm taking small people, it'd be remarkable amounts of luggage that they come with. Then I might drive because we're visiting you know, my family or what have you. Notice that in each of those cases, I get to New York. And what is changing is the vehicle. Skincare is a perfect parallel. And by that, I mean If you have an active that you like very, very much, you can usually find it in a cream form, a lotion form, a serum form, a gel form, often these days a foaming form. And what happens is that spectrum really collides very nicely with skin types. So for example, if you're someone who is very, very dry, you really want that rich, rich cream as a delivery system with your active. If you're someone who's kind of a little more combination skin, you might want one of the gel hybrids that really give you a little bit of moisture but not that heaviness for where you're oily. If you're oily, you might want something with a more of a gel consistency for that drying effect. And they work very much in and parallel to each other. And you can also piggyback on this for seasonal changes. I realized that from a marketing perspective, we're told to you know whip it out and change everything every October, every February, you're not. What you really need to tweak are one or two small things. And again, it's the vehicle. It really isn't the actives that are working for you.
0: That's very helpful to hear. And in terms of actives, I'm just going to throw out some popular skincare ingredients that we hear about all the time now. Vitamin C, niacinamide, Retinol that you touched on earlier, but I want to hear more about it. Hyaluronic acid. Like what are the ones that you think are really beneficial to add into your... So let's say you have the basics. You've got your cleanser, you've got your good SPF, you've got your nighttime moisturizer, and you want to build on that. What do you think is Im- like... We're well, not important. Nothing's critical. But if you do want to do that extra little mile, what do you think is good to add into your skincare routine?
1: So I do it in steps. I just um, wrote something that was what I called skincare basics, the, nice, the, the needs, the nice, and the nevers. The needs are what you just said, a good cleanser, a good SPF, plus minus a good moisturizer, and one active. And for an individual person, that active really comes down to what are the things most concerning to you? And the reason I say that is a really good way to think about your skincare is not to think by ingredient. It's to think by, I don't call it a symptom, but think about the issue you want to solve and then go after the ingredient. Don't think about an ingredient going after individual issues because the reality is different ingredients can interact with different things. And often you're better off getting a product that's particularly well-suited, say. for hyperpigmentation or particularly well suited for redness or particularly well suited for whatever it is. But the idea is you want to figure out specifically what are the things that are uniquely bothering you? Is it that you just want to try and age gracefully? Is it that you're working against breakouts? Find out what that is. And that's number one. You start with an active there. For many people, it tends to fall in the vitamin A family. Why? Because vitamin A is the hardest working gallon show business. Covers breakouts, helps with fine lines, helps with pigmentation. It just does so many things that it tends to be a real winning thing, especially if you're talking about a young person in their 30s who's still getting breakouts, but also wants to age gracefully, also wants to deal with some pigment. It's just an all around kind of big winner. To me, that's the starting point. If a retinoid, for whatever reason, isn't for you, another active. And that typically for me is in the form of a serum, not because serums are so important, but because as vehicles go, it's the one that's going to deliver for the most part, the most of that active ingredient into the skin. It's, it's the Porsche vehicles, if you will. I just made that up, but it works.
0: I like that. Well, in terms of things that you want to address, if you are dealing with, let's start with breakouts, what's the ingredient that you want to look for?
1: So there are a few retinoids, vitamin A, always standard, depends a little bit on the kind of breakouts you're talking about. So acne comes in a few different flavors. If you have what we call comedones, which are whiteheads, blackheads, retinoids, vitamin A kinds of things, still kind of your best bet. If you're getting kind of more pink inflammatory bumps, that can either be something like a salicylic acid, which is generally my favorite in different incarnations. If you're talking a little bit more of a combo picture, benzoyl peroxide can be wonderful. There are a few others that kind of kick in there. Those are probably the the three of my trifecta. If you have a more advanced picture where you're developing scarring, you're getting ongoing pigmentation, probably a good idea to get to see someone like me sooner rather than later. People have this tendency to spend an awful long time on over-the-counter skincare, and then someone like me sees them and just... Wishes I could have gotten in there a little sooner. It would have been far cheaper and far less, just not even cheaper in terms of just money, but also just heartache. A hundred percent.
0: I'm so happy you brought up hyperpigmentation because that's something that a lot of women of color deal with. Even if I have like a small bump coming through, like, I can guess I'm going to have an acne scar, even if I don't touch it. Of so, course. And I have worked with my dermatologist here in New York, Dr. Elena Jones, to get prescription hydroquinone, which I have found to be effective. But a lot of people message me and they say, I want like a natural alternative, or I don't want to like bleach, quote unquote, <laughs> bleach my skin. So you guys can't see, but um, Rennell is shaking her head. So if you're dealing with like real hyperpigmentation, is your recommendation to just see a dermatologist Yes.
1: And somewhere in the conversation, sorry, United States of America and our very foolish regulatory body, hydroquinone is a tragic thing to be removed. It is without question to this day, other than sunscreen. Don't let me not throw that in there, but it still remains the gold standard for resistant hyperpigmentation. And, you know, the idea that we are so casually allowing something that is a pervasive, of problems. So many people are struggling with hyperpigmentation and the fact that we're in this place of, well, we're just not going to have it anymore because somebody decided that it was, you know, in a wrap that was force fed and it, your head exploded. This is the part where Ranella's head actually leaves the building and goes to have like, you know, a beer. Yeah.
0: And I have heard of some ingredients that are good for hyperpigmentation. I hear about uh, kojic acid a lot. There are a few. Kojic acid
1: is fine. Tranexamic acid fruit. is fine. Well, you're acid. talking more. You're talking more in the in the lighter cosmetic range. Cysteamine. I mean, there are many things that we use for hyperpigmentation. Retinoids among them. I custom blend a lot of things myself. Where I go to a custom pharmacy and they mix up things for my patients. So that's something that I do all the time hydroquinone's in there an awful lot.
0: Um, but and what it, percentage hydroquinone should people, like, obviously you have to get work with the dermatologist to get it, but what's
1: like so the stuff, percentage? So the stuff, that, there isn't a, a set answer because it's really a dermatologist's discretion. The great majority of what's written for is 4%. But I mean, I can put 6%, 8%. I can put what I want in a compounding entity. Over the counter, You well, again, over the counter is... <laughs> What was, was 2%, which you could buy as well. You know, and it's just, it again, it comes right back to the fact that if people don't have a solution, which we know is proven, which has really stood the test of time, people are going to go and find things that are God awful. When you go and look at some of the things that you can buy, they are far worse, far, far worse. Yeah. Ah, a moment of silence for
0: right? hydro. So now you can't buy hydroquinone over the counter. What, since when is this? I didn't realize that this. The,
1: the FDA, the, there's a, I'll send it to you. There's a whole new, the sense. FDA hasn't any time to discuss sunscreen, but this they have time. <laughs> well,
0: you, you brought up kind of formulating your own products. I you want to talk about Atola skincare. You are the co-founder and I'm curious for you as someone who sees lots of patients and all the skincare that the world has to offer. What was the gap in the market that you saw?
1: What we really, really noticed was that irrespective of price, people were molding themselves to fit what skincare was available as opposed to the other way around. And we were at MIT, which is probably about the best place in the world to discover using data for anything. And we kind of came fairly quickly to the realization that with data, you have the unique ability to solve a lot of things. And what we were able to do over time as we built up our, well, you know, first we um, patented our algorithms and started collecting a lot of this data, et cetera, et cetera. And what we came to realize was that using the power of machine learning, you can really cluster different forms of data and develop patterns. And what that means in English is that the more people we saw of every different age, race, ethnicity, you name it, That data becomes part of a big picture where we start to know almost better than you might what's going to happen next. What is predictive? And the analogy I give is like this. Think of Netflix. The first time you went on, oh, here, watch a comedy. The fourth time you went on, oh, you should probably watch this British comedy. The tenth time you went on, it knew to tell you, oh, you like the one with Polish subtitles with this actor and this but but that's my point. It's a learning process, and that's exactly what data allowed us to do. And once we started hitting a million, two million discrete data points, our ability is so robust to tell you, this is what's going to happen next. And that was the solution we felt we came up with, which was being able to use that technology and use that machine learning. To really give specific solutions, that the ultimate goal, which we ultimately were achieving, was predictive, that we could hopefully prevent the problems even before they happen.
0: I love a data backed product. Um, I'm going back a little bit because I realized we didn't talk about vitamin C. And I'm sorry, excuse C. me. No, only because I use vitamin C in my skincare. But some people have been sending me this video of like, it's like an apple slice and like one apple slice has vitamin C on it and the other doesn't and the other one browns and they're like, you should share this. And I'm like, I'm not going to share it because I don't understand <laughs> the science and I don't know that it's our skin. It's actually a terrible example.
1: Skin. Everybody yeah. uses that all the time. It actually doesn't have very yes. much with the vitamin C at all.
0: I'm vitamin C, for not I'm very it. proud.
1: I'm very, okay. very proud. Because too, I'm like, I
0: don't, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to share it.
1: <laughs> that, you know what? I think we'd be in a far better state in this country if more people followed that mantra. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's compelling, right? When you see no, it's it. It's completely compelling to see the apple. It's just, again, it's a completely different react. It, it really doesn't have anything to do with it, but What's damn, it? it's a visual, you know, a visual, yeah. visual is always super compelling and everyone hates a brown apple. Right. So the, the thing about vitamin C is it is lovely, right? Vitamin C has a number of things going for it. It works in a couple of different ways. That's nice. So we know it's a good antioxidant if you can stabilize it. She's a, a little bit of an unstable gal. But if you can do certain things to make it more stable, fabulous. We know that she's a cofactor in the production of collagen. Everybody loves collagen. Collagen's like the holy grail. We know that it's just overall doing a number of beneficial things, involvement in that pathway of helping to prevent some of the hyperpigmentation among them. So what's nice about that is it's a multitasker. What's also nice about that is it's one of the fewer ingredients that actually has some robust science behind it. Here's the thing. There's science, and then there's kind of the marketing that has come. And one of the challenges is, my see is actually a very hard thing to make a good quality product of. It's very unstable. It's not something that tends to like sitting around in the way that we tend to Leave skincare in our steamy bathrooms. All of those things tend not to be that helpful. So it's a great product. There are lots of people who actually just don't even tolerate it and they go nuts because all they ever see is, well, you got to put a vitamin C in the morning. And that's not really the thing. What is it you're looking for it to do? Are you looking for it as an antioxidant? Well, guess what? Lots of other antioxidant fish in the sea. You can go and be happy with others. It's not just vitamin C if you can tolerate it, it's a nice ingredient to have. I encourage people doing it. It's definitely something I like. I'm even biased because people always talk about it in the morning. I would argue there's benefit morning and night because it also is involved in regulatory physiology and processes in the body. So this idea that if you don't do it by seven o'clock in the morning, you know, the end is near, also not true. So, I mean, I think that the problem is these ingredients just become themselves the target. And that's the problem. It's the condition that you should be going after, not the ingredient, because that's how we wind up chasing sort of these things. I mean, you mentioned niacinamide. Niacinamide, okay. So again, I've now been on, I've now been on social media since the pandemic. So a year and a half. There are many things I've learned in that time, in my, in my, in my wise old age. And, you know, one of them is, you know, again, a short, brief nugget of a story kind of people like. So on paper, niacinamide sounds like, whoa, the coolest girl in the club. Yeah. Because, you know, she does a little this, she does a little that, she does a little this, she does a little that. Here's the thing niacinamide, not a lead singer, totally like very back, backup dancer. Right. Like the one behind, you know, the Katy Perry one that fell off the stage, like the way back there, backup dancer, it may do a lot of things. It doesn't do any of them particularly well. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that's kind of ironic is niacinamide is not new. It has been around longer than you and me. So the fact that it was rediscovered in 2020 as the next best new thing, I just was sort of looking at it with other people who were of a similar vintage to me, like, did did we miss something? Are bell Bottoms really back? Who said that was a thing? I mean, it was just something that was a bad idea the first time, and now it's come back.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: So I think that's part of it.
0: Totally. I have a question and a comment for you. I'll start with the comment first. You talking about these trends. I think the perfect analogy for me is milks. So there was like a moment, like in the early 2000s, when everything was soy milk, or actually before that, there was like 2% milk came thing. then there yes. was soy milk, and then there was almond milk, and now we're like in oat milk, and actually like past oat milk, it's like pistachio milks. And yes. it's like, there are these trends with like milks where it's like... Yep. And then it was like, soy milk is so bad. There's like estrogen in it. and It's like ruining us. So you should drink almond milk. And then it was like, oh, so I just feel like skincare is very similar. So since I'm talking to you selfishly, I want to ask about some skincare concerns that I have because you also do. So I'll start with the first thing, which is skincare related. So I have natural dark circles. You can see my (laughs) concealer from the day is wearing off. We talked about hydroquinone for fading darkness, but I don't think you can put hydroquinone near to your eye. That's so interesting. I've had these dark circles. If I look at pictures of myself in like second grade, I have, you know, darkness around the eyes. What's the best way to treat that?
1: So under eyes are are, are interesting because there's really multiple different things that can be going on. I'm going to say it in a general sense and then I'll come back quickly to you. And even what people call kind of dark circles or darkness really represents one of three or four things. There is definitely the discoloration component, which in people with, uh, more melanated skin tends to be a little bit darker. In people who have less melanin, um, what we generally see is almost a bluish hue, which is just an artifact of how light hits the skin and refracts. So there's that. And in that skin, it can be almost that, again, that, that dirty-ish looking look. For a lot of people, it's actually just an artificial shadow that is created by the bony margin of the kind of upper portion of the cheek. And there's a hollow there. And in fact, that is just exactly what it is. It's a shadow. It's not itself a discoloration. The simplest of all the things, um, and I only come back to it for you because you mentioned sensitive skin. Are you someone who has allergies?
0: Like seasonal allergies? Mainly that's it,
1: but any kind.
0: Yes, like in the springtime, I take a Zyrtec.
1: Right, so I'm gonna give you a little trick. Not to wait for the Zyrtec. Find out when, so go into, it usually is in, honestly, you can go to like the weather channel, any of those apps. Find out when pollen is anticipated to peak. There's two really big seasons. It's the fall, it's the spring. Temper back to three weeks. Start taking a daily dose of non-sedating antihistamine. You will find the difference is, for many people, striking. This is a $12 intervention. You do not need to buy anything fancy or sexy. You are going to the store and buying the generic antihistamine. It is remarkable. But what happens is you get this very huffy quality and people will come to me for, you know, neuromodulators, they'll come for fillers, they'll come for laser. And I send them home and say, there we're going to go. And that's really what they need because they've got this puffiness very close to the lower lid line and it creates a shadow, which really makes it look worse. So that's you. For other people where that shadow exists, often the best solution is to put a material in there that actually serves to block that reflection of the light. And that's where you've probably heard of some people who have some of the soft tissue fillers put under the eye by someone like me. The last option, and again, you want to really go to someone who knows what they're doing, is we can treat some of it with laser technology. Mm -hmm. So depending on the individual patient, And the combination thereof; those are kind of the multiple different things that go with that, and they can be very, very helpful. Some people respond reasonably well to eye products with peptides in them. Some don't. I mean, there there isn't unfortunately a set answer. It's something that I I, I very much look at a person and and say. But for you, the the antihistamines are just a no-brainer. Okay, but you have to do it for a real three weeks, whether you feel like you need it or not. What you're trying to do is blunt you having the response that spikes.
0: Interesting. Okay. Do you do lasers on your skin? And if so, what type of lasers do you do to get such a like, perfect complexion?
1: So my big thing, I'm not a big sun damage person. The backstory is when I was about eight years old, as a family, we were hiking up a mountain in very, very, very tropical heat And most of my family is is like me. We have very, very, very lightly melanated skin. And even with sunscreen back in that time, I think SPF was eight or 15 and probably it was applied. But I think, you know, you sweat and it's a couple hours later. So my family, all of the children got horrifying sunburns. I'm not talking just like a sunburn, but I mean, blistering, horrible, awful sunburns. And my mother from that moment on became like a complete psychopath. We did not leave the house without, you know, we were very ahead of our time and I've always done that. So as a consequence, I don't have a lot of sun damage. What I have that I don't like is I'm very ruddy. I tend to get very red. There's, a, there's people who are complected like me, kind of this Irish complexion where it's black hair, green eyes and very ruddy cheeks. I'm very ruddy doesn't mean I have rosacea. People love to tell me, do you have rosacea? No, I don't. I'm just what you call high in color. Many people like that. Um, And I don't like that. I know that many people find it appealing. So on myself, I, a few years ago, did a couple of pulse dye laser treatments And every now and again, we'll do one when I'm feeling motivated. I usually let people, I I train people and I I prefer to let them practice on me rather than like a real person. So I try to leave spots for them to like treat. So every now and again, they'll come and do it. Um, And then retinoids and sunscreen. It's really not profound.
0: Wow. You know, it's so interesting. I loved my retinol. I used a lotion-based retinol called Altrino. That I really liked. And then I got pregnant and I stopped using it. And then I haven't been, my son's one now. I haven't gone back on it because I feel like my skin's kind of the same. But I know that retinol is very important for like anti aging or I don't even like the term anti aging, but for fine life. Aging gracefully. Aging gracefully, yes. Do you think it's, do you think it's, you know, if people have access to a dermatologist and can, do you recommend retinol? And how do you feel about over the counter
1: retinols? Yes, 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 and yes. I empathize fully. I spent about a decade thinking about getting pregnant, trying to get pregnant, getting pregnant and nursing and popping out a a gander full of children. I have a whole batch of them. And so I took about, I'm, I'm only back on a retinoid recently. I took about probably eight, nine years off of a retinoid. I am probably not as, I think people sometimes have this idea with skincare that it's like all or nothing. And the simple reality is but it's probably just not that big a deal. And so for a lot of people taking the time off from a retinoid to be pregnant, to nurse, to do whatever you're gonna do, just isn't that profound. I mean, people make it sound like, oh my God, you know, it's not like your skin somehow punishes you by giving you 12 years worth of skin damage. If you're smart and you're you know protecting yourself and doing the things you should otherwise do, giving up a retinoid for a period of time is just not the be-all, end-all of mankind that people sometimes make it seem to be. That's number one. But yeah, there's just nothing really as well-proven, as well-established. This always surprises people. But the fact of the matter is, as much as I deal with new technologies and, you know, if somebody that's getting skincare ingredients before they're even... Out there and asked to test stuff, and I'm asked to judge stuff all the time. You will find that my recommendations almost never are trendy. They're almost always things that have withstood the test of time. And in skincare, things that have withstood the test of time are gold. And that is just, boom, the truth. And there is just nothing, nothing with the sort of data on retinoids that we have. It's 50s, 60 year old data. And you can see it. You can see people who've been using it for 30 years and it is unquestionable. The difference is profound. And it generally, if it's going to be a covered product, going to be less expensive, there are ways to get it. But the prescription product is pretty fabulous. I think a good next level are some of the over-counter products. The other thing I get a lot of as well is it really just wasting my time it's not because, you know, again, it's like exercise. You start somewhere and you build. So there's no crime against starting with a less potent, written way to do it with people all the time and sort of slowly working your way up. I mean, there's myths on every side of it. There's myths that you, you know, if you don't go strong enough, that, you know, you won't get any benefit. Nonsense. There's a myth that if you stay with something, and you don't keep progressing, that it won't work. Nonsense. The analogy there, Renella loves analogies. You should have probably figured out by now. I always say to people, think of it like an airplane, a retinoid. When you are putting the product on, you are ascending, you are ascending, it's bumpy. Then you get to cruising altitude. You're still going, you're still flying. It's just not bumpy. So people get to this point where it's like, well, it's not irritating me. I'm not red and peeling. That's a good thing. It's not bad that that happens. So the simple fact is that, Using it consistently is more important than anything else. I get question upon question. Should I start with this person? Should I do one night a week? Should I do five nights a week? Should I do do it Thursday? Should I do it Tuesday? Should I turn blue? Should I stand up? Should I sit down? And the bottom line is just start. It doesn't even matter. Retinoids are totally a long game. The winning move is to start. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to get there. Yes, you may cruise a little bit longer to get to your final place, but you'll get there. Just start, stop thinking, get something and do it and you will be well on your way. And that's really the thing that I find so sort of startling, right? That people worry all the time about like, what is the right product? What is the the right brand? What is this? And the reality of most skincare is just do something. Like something is better than all the dithering in the world. And we spend all this time worrying this, this. And the reality is that the incremental difference is probably 10% between one product and another. And I'm being generous. I mean, it just doesn't matter. That's probably the dirtiest little secret of all. You know why clean is big? Clean is big because most of the products in the store are very similar. And you need to think of some way to distinguish yourself. And it turns out if you can scare the living bejesus out of some person with small children and a baby, you can probably get them to fealty with you for life. So that's why I find it so untoward and so awful. But that's really what it is. And I wish people would get that. The, at the end of the day, this skincare, that's getting, yes, there are preferences, 100%. Yes, there are vehicle changes, 100%. But at the end of the day, it's just doing something and sticking with it. Consistency totally. trumps everything, everything else by a billion. And again, the analogy is exercise. Your trainer is perfectly happy. If you can't do anything else, if you walk slowly for 20 minutes, three times a week, just start doing that. Rather than thinking, should I walk? Should I run? Should I swim? Should I stand? Do I need it? Yeah. Do something. Just do something.
0: I love that. And consistency, just like having your routine, putting on that sunscreen every time you go out, making sure you wash your face before you go to sleep, like that's going to make much more of an impact than buying some new fancy like $300 cream. I'm sure you also look at price tags and you're like, what is even going on here? I want to ask one more question about cosmetic surgery, and then we're going to move into like a little lightning round. Ooh, um, okay. This is like a, a deeper question around cosmetic surgery, also connected to skin influencers, skinfluencers. So you said you're kind of new to social media. So you're seeing... You're seeing what's going on here. You're seeing what I see. It's a, it's a
1: fascinating, I just, wow. It, first of all, I'm only on Instagram. I don't yeah. have any other platforms. I think I'm not brave enough. And I'm just fascinated. I like, I spend a lot of time just looking at things. Wow.
0: Let's take Botox, for example. I've never tried Botox. I actually asked about Botox and person I asked, they were like, oh, you're not really a candidate because I don't know.
1: I think you're making me fall very much in love with your dermatologist.
0: <laughs> I because like...
1: every single thing she has said has been like, I mean, she's,
0: she's she's old school. She's just like not about all this stuff. But I'm asking about cosmetic surgery and skincare because I think that one of the things that I'm realizing is there are limits to what skincare can do versus fillers and Botox. And there are lots of skin influencers who get Botox and they get you know under eye filler and they're getting cheek filler and they're getting all of this stuff. Um, but then they're talking about their you know 12 step skincare routine. So one, how do you feel about that when you see it? And two, how do you think people can realistically understand how far can skincare take them versus going to get a cosmetic procedure?
1: So first of all, I have to give credit to a wonderful skinfluencer, a a wonderful English fellow called James Welsh, who is just tremendous. And he, I think, is the person that has single-handedly done more to spearhead this whole notion and the obscenity of someone who, in his case, he's even talking more about like using um, like filters and and blurring technologies, and then ca- pawning it off on skincare. But he does all sorts of of he's like the only thing I watch on YouTube. His videos where he like shows you. It always seems to come back to a certain family that shower may nameless but rhymes with Barbashian. Where you know I didn't do my lips. I didn't do my lips. I have a lip kit. Oh, right. I didn't do my this. I didn't do my that. You know, I think the way I try to explain it to people is, one, way more people than you could possibly imagine see people like me. And you may safely assume, very safely assume, that when you watch the Emmys last night or you watch the Oscars, that pretty much each and every one of those people has a team of people in my line of work. And that is a very safe assumption. The idea that people have that, you know, someone, I, I, I do these Q and A's on Instagram and someone asked me about um, Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez is a magnificent, a magnificent specimen of humanity. There's no taking that away. But this idea that it is all magically the result of, you know, Darn's laugh left because olive oil, that it's all the result of skincare is, is silly. And it, it just really does this real number on people who live in the real world and wonder, why can't I get there? And the simple fact is you're not comparing apples to apples. You're comparing you know, apples to tow trucks. They're completely not related because if someone is having procedures and then putting credit on you know, a product, to be honest, that should be illegal. I mean, it's just not fair because you really create an environment where you cannot have a realistic sense of what it is. I think my approach to cosmetic surgery very much mirrors what we were saying earlier about like acne. When you get to a certain point, even if you're not going to have the procedure, if you can, come and have a consult with someone like me. Sit for a half hour, for 45 minutes, bring in all your skincare. Just talk to me about what should I be doing? What can I do? I'll give you an example for me, my consult. Somebody walks in, we typically ask them to please bring in everything from the medicine cabinet that they're using. It's a really great shorthand for me to figure out textures they like, you know, so I can really cheat a little bit just even from the products. I can see how long they last. because that's another big thing is people don't give anything a chance to work. A lot of times then we then go through the stages, okay, these are your concerns. I'm going to start with least invasive, least expensive, and we're going to kind of go up the step ladder of what the interventions are. We can do it with skincare. We can achieve why with prescription skin care. We can achieve Z with prescription skin care and maybe a chemical peel. We can achieve, well, we're starting too late. So we can achieve Z plus with a laser procedure. And my point is that each one of these steps is more engage, more you know, invasive, going to cost more. And importantly, another thing people tend not to pay enough attention to, going to have more downtime. You know, people never weigh that in. It's not just money. It's the amount of like damage I'm going to do and how much you have to hide out from the universe and all that other good stuff. And I'm a big believer in knowing options. But the idea that skincare, which is fundamentally by its very definition, a cosmetic, meaning it is not supposed to change structure of the skin. It is only about changing the appearance. It it just isn't supposed to do other things. The idea that it's going to lift, that's going to get rid of your jowls, that's going to improve your neck, it's going to fill the folds, it doesn't do that. It's not really equipped to do that. And it's not a fair ask. So, you know, don't be surprised when it doesn't work. That doesn't mean skincare can't do a hell of a lot. It can, but somewhere reality has to settle in. And I think just a lot of times we fall for this and, you know, there's a reason marketing continues. It's really effective. We really see, but as I often explain to patients, because they'll look at a before and after, or they'll bring in a picture from magazine, even if you assume nothing's been retouched, if you assume none of that, and you don't even factor for the fact that these are probably people using professional makeup artists, they have lighting that's professional, all of these things, let's step back one step further. Let's say I did a product, a skincare study, and I took 10 people, and I had them use it for three months, and I met them every four weeks to take pictures. So that's what keep track of the math. But let's say that's what 160 pictures. You don't think I'm going to go and pick the very most dramatic one, right? The very best one. So I'm going to take the very best picture and show that to you as my example. In and of itself, that should tell you it's not reflective of what most people are going to achieve. And that comes true a lot with devices, too because people see the before and after and think, well, I'm going to get that. No, you're not. You know, you're going to get an improvement, but it's just realistic things is very, very, very important. I spend a lot of time telling people no, because it's just not a realistic aspiration. And generally, if someone wants to look like someone else, that's not a good goal. You want to look like the best you there is.
0: Absolutely. I love that ethos. Well, we are going to move into our lightning round. Thank you for answering that last question so thoroughly. Okay. Um, what are some of the biggest skincare mistakes that you see people make that come into your practice or just, you know, out and about? I, for, I, can, I can speak in Turkey. I was literally having heart palpitations, watching people slather coconut oil on their body and then lie out in the sun. I was like, ah, ah you
1: 1971 this? called and said, stop it now. I know. Some of it is what we said earlier, right? Dithering on, you know, which product it is when in real truth, it's just start something. But I mean, the real answers are one of two things, not sunscreen, that they're doing 700 things and forgetting sunscreen. And it just sounds like, oh, another derm saying it about sunscreen. That's really true. Like if you really wanted one particular skincare product that would put me out of business, that's the only one. I have complete job security from everything you can buy at Sephora, bought for sunscreen. If someone wore sunscreen religiously reliably and used it in conjunction with other sun protective methods, I'd have a lot more free time.
0: I love that. Okay. What are the most slept on slash underrated skincare brands or products in your opinion?
1: In my line of work, half the battle is not creating new problems. Vanna cream, free and clear are sister products. It's a whole line of products, shampoo, conditioner, cleanser, moisturizer, sunscreen. And it has nothing in it but the basic active ingredients. We use it on people with like the most severe eczema, the most severe irritation. And this stuff is like $8. And it's just, if you wanted to do nothing, but just have a solid regimen, you would do all of that, pay next to nothing, and then spend all your money on an active. What's another one? Probably a dabbling, Because I think people don't get a the story. Adapalene is a retinoid, and what they did was, um, some years back, they actually were realizing that retinoids are a hard thing for people. There's this process, it's difficult, and it was really a turnoff for a lot of people to treat their acne, even though it was the most effective thing. So being the wonderful chemist that they are, they played with it and made it so that it only worked, I'm simplifying, but only worked in certain receptors that were very specific to acne. What I'm saying, again, in English is this is a drug. This went through drug testing and was approved in the United States as a drug. And if people don't understand, that earns tremendous respect. It's a very big deal to show enough proof and be tested to be approved as a drug. And that product, for reasons I'm not sure I fully still understand, became over the counter a few years ago. You could walk into CVS and buy it for 20 bucks. And I'm I think, Sorry, eight, I want to... so the, so the generic is A-D-A-P-A-L-E-N-E, A-D-A-P-L-A-E-N-E, Adapalene. The two major brands that you can buy are different. And then the other one is coming through La Roche-Posay. And I'm sure people at La Roche-Posay are different and are going to love what I'm going to say next, buy whichever one's on sale. They're very, they're very similar. Um, the La Roche-Posay product arguably is probably a slightly more elegant base. And if you want something a little prettier, it's a little bit of a prettier bottle, but whichever one, those are absolutely drug products that you do not need. a prescription. Because you were asking me like, you know, what about going to see a doctor and getting a prescription? That is a secret way to just walk in and get something that previously you would have had to come to someone like me. So for all the people who don't have access immediately to someone like me or might have to wait, you can walk into the store and do it yourself. Pretty fantastic. So I think those are the two, unsexy though they are. I, I'm supposed I, to tell you something like super sexy, aren't I? No,
0: I love this. This is sexy because it's accessible and it's effective. So
1: accessible is like my my goal of life in life. Yeah, that's of the sexiest
0: yeah. when it's accessible. So after using that for a while, what what results should you expect to see?
1: So from an acne point of view, it's quite lovely. It really can do a very nice job. There's some early data showing that. It does seem to have the other retinoid benefits as well, so that it's helping with some of the pigmentation, helping with you know, aging, basically does not have the robust body of data that Tretinoin has simply because it's just been around so much less. But the early evidence really seems to suggest that it's quite promising. And so you can also, just to be clear, you can also find pretty potent retinols out there that are pretty good. I mean, just other products that work really nicely. I mean, I have a million products that I just love and I talk about them all the time, but those are kind of where I wish more people just knew that they even existed. It was like Vanicream and Adapoline, because if you did nothing else but go to the store and buy Vanicream and Adapoline, I have no financial interest in any of this, by the way. I I make no money telling. That would make a lot of people very happy.
0: Yes. Local, you kind of choose it already. Top three favorite skincare
1: products. Oh, dear God. That's like picking children. I know, Um, it's hard.
0: I should say, you know what I should say? I should say right now, at least for me, I have things that I really like. Right now, right now
1: I can answer. Right now I can answer. Here's something terrible. Can I do four? Yes, please. Because right now, right now I have four that and, and three of them are actually based on the set. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love um that. I'm madly wildly deeply in love with the then I met you cleansing bomb. Oh, cleansing it. bomb. I just the smell just makes me happy to wake up in the morning and use it and yeah, I same. just find it absolutely and I discovered it kind of right before it broke big, mm. which is great cuz when I like something I buy a bunch and now thank god I did. So, yeah. you know, it's it's I just absolutely adore that product. Again, going with scent Jordan Samuel is a brand I only discovered one on Instagram and he's also just a lovely human being, um, but it has a whole fancy name. I think after show cleanse, it's the body cleanser. My husband always laughs that if I, if you're wanting to find a perfume that I'm going to like, so it's never a floral, it's, it's always something that smells almost lightly citrusy. That's kind of what gets I love me. That. Well, my husband always laughs that it's going to be good if it smells like dishwasher detergent <laughs> or like getting me a scent. That's what he always says. We're married a long time. So he can say that. So his after, I think it's called after show cleanse. It's the body cleanser. Let's just say Jordan Samuel body Wash. It is the most subtle scent of like pomelo, And mm. And like in the shower, it comes out and it's really just this texture of just lusciousness. And I just adore it. And you're just, it just takes a shower and makes it so special. So I love that. What else? Oh, it's another scent one. It's because we haven't traveled. The Summer Fridays Body Lotion that smells like you're on vacation, even though you're sitting in your basement. I love that. And then the one that I just discovered a few days ago. So I just, just, and I went on Instagram. I was like, I don't even know why I bought this product. I think it came free in a box. Um, Hero Cosmetics Rescue Bar. So the preface to that is, tipple patches, I think are the greatest invention in I the history that. of mankind. I do not know how I made it, how I dated. I do not know how I got this far in life without <laughs> having them because they are so spectacular. And I think I ordered, that's what it was. I ordered a bunch of like boxes to have. And then I think I got free the rescue bomb, which is this little purple product. So what you're not seeing because of this product. So I still double mask at work because we're in a a medical center and you, you just do it's not even just pimple it's more like irritation it's just because I'm wearing a medical mask so it's just right. all day and it's just awful so I just have a few things that are red that just were taking their damn sweet time just going away so I mean yes eventually they would have gone but they were done. and I put it on again I have no idea why I did this so there you go serendipity 80% gone the next morning Wow. And I went on Instagram and I said, I have to tell you, this is a product rave. I don't know why I bought this product. I don't know why I did this, but it's unbelievable. And about, I don't know, 30 people have now messaged me in the last five days to say, what is this witch's brew? <laughs> so I don't know what this stuff is. It's probably going to give me a third kidney. I can't say that's a problem. I think it's worth it. It cleaned my entire jaw. I was blown away. Oh my so God. those are the three that make me happy because they're the parts of my skincare that make me happier. Does that make sense? Like, it's not doing the skincare for the functionality. It's like, I smell that bomb, and I'm just happy about it.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting. I, I interviewed Charlotte Cho on the podcast. She formulated the Then I Met You Cleansing bomb, And she has- God all bless of these, that woman. Yeah. She has all of these really deep ideas about Jung, that Korean idea of connecting you oh, with yeah. something. So it's like, I also- uh, if I point
1: over there, I have her books.
0: Yes, I love it. And like I know you work with um Charlotte sometimes. Um Charlotte oh, Charlotte Colomino. Uh,
1: nice sister from another mister.
0: Yeah, but I I, I
1: I'm except my... Charlotte is about three heads taller than I am. It's a, it's a funny visual because Charlotte is a very, very, very oh tall God. human being. And I'm not.
0: Well, you know. <laughs> One of my things recently has been skincare in terms of just like supporting the founders and people that are thinking about it very thoughtfully. And I think that's just so important because as you said, a lot of the stuff is very similar. So let's support the people that are thinking about this thoughtfully if we can. I,
1: I love that as a thought leader of beauty, you say that because that is just everything because it's really hard in the space to make it. I mean, it really is dominated and not in a bad way. Heritage beauty is heritage beauty for a reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, the world does have lots of good things because of the Unilevers and Procter & Gamble's and L'Oreal's that are existing out there. But to come in a space like that, which is so dominated by a few key players and to try and be innovative, it just, it's everything to have someone like you say that. So bravo.
0: Well, thank you. Well, we've arrived at our final question, and I ask every single guest who's been on Naked Beauty this question, and it's when do you feel most beautiful?
1: I think it's when you're doing something good, when you're helping someone. When I was a kid, that was the thing we were taught. Right? Beauty is as beauty does, and beauty was really a metaphor for being smart, being clever, being able to have a talent or a skill. It wasn't just having it; it was what were you going to like do with it? And I just find that there's nothing. When you have someone who's been, you know, not feeling themselves and not feeling good and you empower them by doing some intervention or even honestly, it sounds completely trite. But again, and I, I'm new to social media. I hear about all these people and they're trolls and harm. I don't have these people. I mean, every now and again, some idiot says something. I get the most wonderful thank you. Love, and the feeling that you have to know that someone on planet earth is better because you were there. So I don't even know if it's beauty, but it's just appreciation. And I think that gratitude manifests as beauty. It makes you stand taller. it makes you feel more confident. I think that is what it is. But my, my other answer would be, cause you also have a little boy, right? little boys do it. So I'm, I think my children are used to me looking pretty slovenly. You know, I go to work in scrubs and if I'm in the lab, it's even worse. And you know when you put makeup on for like a date night, and like some little boy comes and it's just, "Mama, you, you're so beautiful, Mama." Well, I mean that's that's all there is. Well, he doesn't talk yet. Wait till wait till you get there. It comes soon. It's oh the best in the world. Little boys are just, yeah, Can't worth imagine. worth giving up a retinoid for. How can I say?
0: <laughs> well, this has been such an amazing conversation. I have learned so much, and I actually I'm going to go to sleep tonight and just rethink a lot of things. I'm going to rethink even the way that I use the term clean beauty, if I should even use it anymore. You've just given me so much to think about. So thank you so much, renella for your time and for educating me and all of my listeners. I know my listeners are going to love this episode because you just came with the facts and the knowledge and the science. And we love that.
1: That is the greatest compliment you can Thank you
0: so much. What a pleasure. Thank you. Wow. Wasn't that just an incredible education and also resetting and reshifting some of our notions about skincare, at least for me. I'm very curious to hear what you guys thought of this episode. So please don't be shy. Send me a DM on Naked Beauty Planet. Let me know what you thought. And I will speak to you guys next week.